This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. The title of my message this morning is The Dynamics of Increase. The Dynamics of Increase. And we're in our series called Acts. Live it out. Acts. Live it out. And so here's the point I want to make today. And for those of you that are listening by radio, for those of you that are here in the service today, I, I, I want to make a point to you. If you are only living for yourself, then you really don't need much supernatural intervention. You know, we have people today, and I don't understand what's going on, but it's very weird to me that people are running around seeking prophets, seeking all kinds of things, and they're saying, hey, listen, I need, I need, I want, I, and, and, and the fact be known, they're only living for themselves. But God has called us to love people. God has called us to live for others. And what that means is that if you're going to live for others, you must have more than just what you need for yourself. The Bible speaks about watering others. He says, he who waters others will himself be watered. This is a picture of who God is. He says, if you'll water others, you'll be watered. And so today, I want to talk to you about the dynamics of increase. The life that God has called you to live is a lot bigger than the life you're currently living. And it's a lot bigger than the life that you're currently seeing. And what God is doing in your life should be bigger than what you see. He wants to lift your spirits this morning. Some of you are downcast. Some of you feel like this is the end. I'm telling you this is not the end. This is God wanting to give you a breakthrough. He wants to help lift your countenance and he wants to show you how really big he really is. So open your Bibles with me. Does everybody have a real Bible? Open your real Bible, and we're going to have a couple of passages today, but starting in Genesis, the 22nd chapter, Genesis 22, open your Bible to Genesis, the 22nd chapter, Genesis 22, and we're going to be reading verses 2 through 14, but read it in your Bible. I know it's on the screen, that's for those of you that don't have Bibles. Most of us have Bibles, and I expect you to use them. And he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and get thee to the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell you of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and he saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he chopped the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and he went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day Abram lifted his eyes and he saw the place afar off. And Abram said to his young men, you stay here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and he laid it upon Isaac his son and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father! And he said, Here am I, my son. 
And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took a knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything to him. For I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy only son from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and he looked and behold, behind him in a ram, was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh as, it, as it has said to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Now here's what I want you to understand. I am so aware that many people read the Bible like this is some cute story. That was nice. See that? No! This is a real story. It's not a myth. It's not some ancient fabrication to teach you a value or a moray. It's not one of Aesop's fables. This is a real man, a real story. And it's an example of what you and I face sometimes. And I have to tell you something. There are some places that you and I have to go alone. There are some places you can't take others with you. You cannot take your husband. You cannot take your wife. You cannot take your children. You cannot take your friends. You cannot take your pastor. Notice what Abraham said to his servants. I love this. He says, the boy and I will go yonder and worship and we shall return. We shall return. We, not I shall return. We shall return. Now, I have, to, I have to tell you something. When you're on a mission from God, and it looks like you're going to slay your son, there's something about faith that has a resonance to it. When you're on a mission and, and, it, and, and it doesn't make sense in the natural, can I tell you something? There's something that you have to understand. By faith, we shall return. It says he got up early in the morning. Can I tell you something? There are many people here today that when you have a trouble or a trial in your life, you don't get up in the morning. You leave it till late in the afternoon. No, he got up early in the morning to do something that was very hard. Let me tell you something. When you have something hard to do, get up early and get it done. That's successful. For some of you, it's hard to get to church. Now, I didn't say, I, look, look I, didn't, I didn't say your name. But you know who you are. And you're consistently late for church. Can I tell you something? If it's hard to get to church, get up early, get it done. Make it, make this a habit. Because God rewards that faithfulness. Let me tell you something. This is a principle of life. Go do the hard thing. Get up, get going, go do it. Here's how I know that this is important. Because Abraham in the Bible is called the father of faith. 
the father of faith. By the way, Abraham is the first person in the Bible to be saved by faith. Think about that. This story is also a picture of the cross. Isaac, the son, bore the wood for the sacrifice on his shoulder. He carried the wood as they went up to worship. And he was the sacrifice. It's a picture of Jesus. Later on, we see that God, the Bible says that God will provide himself a lamb. Well, you know what? Some scholars say this. That what he was really saying is that God will provide himself as the lamb. Wasn't that who Jesus was? Jesus was God incarnate. And he provided himself as the lamb for man's sins. But it was prophesied here. Abraham said God will provide himself as the lamb. So when it comes to the dynamics of increase, let's just talk a little bit about you. Sometimes... God is going to require for you to take your Isaac to the top of the mountain if you're going to see your breakthrough. Abraham, his name means father of many nations. Isn't it amazing that here Isaac begins to ascend the mountain? What did it entail for Isaac to get to there in the first place? Isaac and Abraham. Abraham and Isaac. What did it entail? They begin a journey three days earlier. They finally get to the place of worship. They make an altar. And just as he's about to plunge the knife into the heart of his son, the angel cries out, Father of many nations, Father of many nations, Father, his name means Father of many nations. His name is the very promise that God had given him. And he's about to slay the promise. What God is looking for is that we don't put our faith in the means of his supply, but in him. He wants confidence in God alone. Here, we see Abraham on Mount Zion. We know that Mount Zion is the mountain of grace. By the way, this same mountain is where Jesus himself was crucified. Years and years later, thousands of years later, same mountain. This is not Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was where the law was given. After Abraham, this is before the law, God does something in Abraham's heart on a mountain of grace. Moses comes later and gets the, mountain, gets the law on Mount Sinai. So you have to understand, this is not law. This is God's picture of grace. Abraham is our father, we are grafted into Abraham's blessings, so this is for you and I. So this story, although it's in the Old Testament, is very New Testament. 
very much how God deals with you and I today. Even if the son was going to be raised from the dead, he was going to trust in the Lord. That's how much faith this man had. He says, hey, listen, I'm going to do what God told me to do, even if it requires that he has to raise my son from the dead. Do we trust God this much? Now let me explain something else to you. God cannot open your eyes for you to see your provision until you've obeyed what he told you to do. But he will open your eyes in just the right time. But imagine this. You have to understand how much preparation went in place on this. This ram, I was, I was studying it. I'm not 100% sure this is 100% accurate. But this is no ordinary ram. This ram is a sheep. And the sheeps don't go in this location. This is a rocky hill. It's not a, it's not a goat. It's a sheep. A, 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 and, and so God had to make a preparation for this ram to be stuck in a, in, a, in a bush. And I would guess in my thinking that God, about the same time that Abraham started on his journey, on the other side of a mountain in a valley somewhere, he began to work in the heart of a, a ram to make the same journey up the other side of a mountain. Where you can't see your provision coming. And when you get there and you're about to do what you're supposed to do, on the other side, behind you, God has already made a preparation. He was prepared for you. You didn't know it, but he made a preparation for you. See, I'm shocked at how many people don't think God can prepare for them. God took an animal and moved it supernaturally to arrive when he would need it. Look at Galatians 3 and verse 5. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth it he by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Here's my question. Does God do this by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith. How does God move things? He that ministers to you the Spirit and works miracles among you. Where does this come place? Does he do it by law? Does he do it by faith? Well, the answer is in the next verses. Look at this. Galatians 3, 6 through 9. Even as Abraham believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith are the same, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Those that are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. What is God looking for in your life? What is God looking for in my life? He's looking for faith. What is it that releases the hand of God as provider? What he requires was Abraham to sacrifice something. God's saying, I need you to let 
this thing go. It must leave your hands so that it can enter into your future. We all need to release things in our present so God can bring these things about in our futures. So he can release things that we're going to need in our future. See, many believe that if we release it now, we can have a breakthrough now. No. We release it now so we can have a breakthrough in our future. See, there's things that God wants to do in your future. But you can't know your future. You don't know your future. God doesn't tell you your future. But if you sacrifice it now, there'll be something that will come in your future. Something that will be used for your future. Something that in your future that shouldn't be there according to the laws of nature in order to provide for you. You say, well, I don't know about that story, Pastor Tom. You know, God providing that ram. I think that was probably a mountain ram. Okay, I'll give you that. Maybe, let's say maybe it was. But it was still caught in the thicket. How many mountain rams are going to get caught in the thicket? They're, more, they're smarter than that. But that's not just a ram in a thicket. God made the sun stand still. God parted the Red Sea. He closed the mouths of lions. He quenched the fire that should have consumed three young men. And they didn't even have the stench nor the singe of the fire on them. You see, we serve a God who is greater than nature. We serve a God that's greater than the exchange rate. Greater than the economy. Greater than the banking system. Greater than the government. Greater than the decision makers of this world. We are of the kingdom of God. We are not of the kingdoms of this world. But it's going to require us to function by faith. Allowing the releasing of things from our hands so God can provide for us in our futures. Can I say something? Don't be tight-fisted. Don't be stingy. Release what God is telling you to release. Trust him. Trust him. See, here's part of the problem in Zimbabwe. You've been manipulated so much in this area of money. Preachers. Prophets. Guys, it's, it's, it's not a, you can't manipulate God and we as pastors and prophets, shouldn't be manipulating you. This is something that God requires. And you've got to go on this journey alone. You've got to go with God. You've got to do what God tells you to do. Now, there's principles. Let me tell you something. There are dynamics of increase, and I'm going to tell you what they are. But you have to go on the journey alone. You have to give him what belongs to him. You have to release to him what belongs to him. You say, well, what is that? What is his? Everything. The Bible says you've been bought with a price. You are not your own. You belong to the Lord. And that means everything you have belongs to the Lord as well. You see, first of all, we have to understand that we are stewards over everything. We're not owners. We have a tap in our garden. This tap drives me crazy. And we have a gardener. And he has to be the strongest man I know. 
Because when he tightens this tap, nobody can open it. Well, he can, but I can't. I go there and I'm thinking, who tightened this thing down? Now, I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to seal that thing. He's trying to seat it so that it doesn't drip. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody else have that gardener? <laughs> I love this guy. He does a great job. But whenever I want to open that tap, it's like, oh, man. <laughs> well, I'm not going to get that open. I know that. We can shut off the tap of heaven. We can shut off the provision of God in our lives. We can cut off the provision of heaven by being closed-hearted, by being closed-handed. See, God is saying, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the provider. But in order for me to release what you need, in order for me to release my provision, I need you to release it. Let's talk about how God provided for us. Open in your Bibles. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at verse 6 through 11. It says, But this I say, he that soweth, or he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his own heart. So let him give, not grudgingly, not of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. Now, he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causes through us a thanksgiving to God. Here's what I want you to see. Here's some of the dynamics of increase. First of all, God says, let each one give as he's purposed in his own heart. Boy, I want you to know something. You have to purpose in your heart what you're going to do with God. God will guide you. God will lead you. God may require something of you. There's some things we just purpose in our heart to do. I promise you, as your pastor, when I learned about the blessing of being a tither, I started tithing. All the way back in Bible school, the first time I heard it, we had an old missionary, still alive, 95 years old, Wayne Myers, and he said this. He was driving his car in Mexico one time, and he was talking to one of the young men in his car, and he said to the young man, he says, are you a tither? And the guy said, no. He pulled the car over and said, get out of my car. 
He said, why? He says, you have no protection on you. He says, I don't want to be, you're a a security risk to me. (laughs) That stuck with me. I got so convicted in his class. His, His message was, I live to give and I give to live. I'll never forget, he had that twang. He was a southern boy. I live to give and I give to live. But he talked about tithing and he talked about giving. And I got convicted and I said, okay, God, I, I promise you that I'll give 10% of everything I ever get my entire life. Well, I want you to know something. There were times that that 10% hurt me more than anything you'll ever know. I said, oh, God, I can't afford this. I came to Africa. The tithe was sometimes everything I could have lived on to eat. But I trust him. I think I can safely say I don't think I've ever missed a tithe. Ever. I don't want to miss a time. But the blessing of God has been outstanding in my life. But I made a purpose in my heart. I purposed. I will honor God. I'll trust you, God. And though it slay me, yet will I trust you. I drew a line in the sand. I said, that's it. And if I go down, and I heard a preacher say this one time. I don't know if I would say it. I think I might have said it. And I was a little bit more ignorant than I am today. But he said, I'll go around preaching that God doesn't keep his word. Let me tell you something. That's a stupid threat. Because God does keep his word. There's no need to threaten God. Just trust him. Amen? So we have to purpose in our heart. Then the other thing is, if you sow small, you're going to reap small. You know... You can't sow small and expect a big harvest. And then God says he loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. I'll tell you what, I thank God I have a gift of giving. I love to give. There's nothing I like to do more than give. I love to give. I'm a giver. I just love to give. So we see in this story that Abraham knew that God would provide. He was so convinced that he said, even if he has to raise my son from the dead. He said some things. Out of his mouth came his faith. He says to the two young men, he says, we will return. God will provide. These are are statements, this is faith at work. What are you saying about your situation? Even if God has to Raise my company from the dead. I'm going to bless God. Even if he has to raise my bank manager. No. uh, I don't know what the line in the sand for you is. My God will provide. We shall return. Come on, guys. I, I I, I think there's more to this than you're giving me credit for. The Bible says that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That word grace is not what so many people say it is today. It's not God just lavishing things on you. No, 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 no. It's divine enablement. God will enable you to do this. God will give you the grace, the divine enablement to see this thing through. I can't tell you how many people have come to me. We're walking through things with their business. 
And God moves on them, and they say, oh, Pastor, we don't know if we can even afford to do this. And they, I said, well, what are you trying to do? We feel like God told us to, to lay this seed down for the breakthrough for our business. I said, are you sure it's God? You're not being manipulated. You don't feel like I've twisted your arm. No, no, no. This is a journey we have to make on our I'll pray with them. I can't tell me to come back and say, oh, Pastor, you can't even believe what happened. The doors that have opened, the things that have happened. I can also tell you families that have walked through some things and they've given and they've sown and it looked like they're going, it got worse. Sometimes five, even ten years later, as a pastor you're thinking, oh, jeez. That family, I know they're givers. I know that they've done right. I don't think there's any known sin in their lives. I mean, other than the average stuff that everybody goes through. I don't think they're, but God, I, this, this is embarrassing. Look at their lives. It looks like, oh, yeah, but 10 years, there's something in their future. Things open up. That, Pastor, you don't know what God was taking us to. You don't know what we had to do to get where we're at today. Oh, whew. I see it today. You don't think I go through those feelings as well? You don't think I feel for you? I do. But God is able to make all grace, divine enablement to abound. That word abound, powerful word in the Greek. It says to be lavish, more than enough, to have an abundance. He says there's a lavish amount of grace. There's a lav more than enough grace. More than, there's more than an abundant grace in your life. That you may always have all sufficiency in all things. And have an abundance for every good work, the Bible says. I know that there's some of you, you're asking for an abundance. And I hear what God's saying. God is saying, sow your seed. Sow your seed in the same way or in the same measure that you want your harvest. Don't sow small and expect big. Sow big and expect big. According to what you purpose in your own heart. Not out of fear. Not out of manipulation, not out of control, not out of domination, not out of some magic formula. If you give me a $52 seed today, you'll get a 52 weeks of pro Stop all that nonsense. Oh, come, come, and, come, and get your, come and get your miracle water, your miracle oil, your miracle dirt, chew on a snake. I don't know what you have to do. That's all manipulation. At, at worst. At worst, it's manipulation. At best, at best, it's wilderness living. God doesn't want you to live by fear. He wants you to live by faith. He wants you to say, I know what you've called me to do, Lord. I know you have a destiny for my life. I'm going to sow into that destiny. I'm going to sow into that plan so that there's something in my future with you that you'll provide in my future. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than your life. It's bigger than your immediate. It's bigger than your tomorrow. It's your future that's at stake. 
See, even Jesus understood this. He said, my time has come. This is what he said. My time has come. For the Son of Man will be handed over into the hands of sinners. He knew when his time came. He knew when it was time for him to lay down his life. He said, unless a seed or a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. See, even God himself knew that he had to let go of his life to do the will of the Father who's in heaven. By the way, Jesus was all God and all man. And as the Son of God, he knew that he had to lay down this physical life. He, he couldn't lay down his spirit. But he knew that he would have to go and pay for our sins. And he made that decision. He said, unless the seed fall into the ground and die, it remains alone. He did that so that the abundance, the increase of the harvest might come forth. And you and I are part of that harvest, by the way. Otherwise, it remains alone. See, there are some people who are still planting seed one at a time. This isn't the time to plant one seed at a time. This is the time to give generously. This is the time to scatter your seed. This is the time to give sacrificially. This is the time to really get a hold of God and trust God. See, if you give nervously, your seed is like planting one at a time, and it will remain alone. The way we give to God is how he comes back and gives to us. The manner in which you give, when you give out of ease, when you give out of your comfort zone, when you give out of, you know, hey, shucks, I didn't have any cash today. <laughs> Nobody has any cash today. See, when you give out of ease, it's not the stuff of great harvests. But when you give him that deep in the heart conviction, those things. When you say, oh, God, you know what? See, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes you've just made this decision. I'm, bless God, I'm going to tithe whether I can afford it or not. I'm, God, you gave me my paycheck this month, and the first 10% is yours. God, I'm giving into your work so that souls can be saved. I'm a giver. I give offerings. I give to the poor. Even though, but it's a conviction of my heart. I've purposed in my heart to do this. Let me tell you something. When you purpose something with God, when there's something deep in the heart, the harvest that will be be produced, won't produce a yawn. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you know, I gave. I guess it's coming back. No, it'll produce a wow. Whoa, this is amazing. I've had some wow moments in my life. Let me tell you something. Sometimes, you know, the people that work around me in my office, they see that I'm pretty consistent in my giving. 
They don't see all my giving, but they see a lot of it. But even so, every so often in the office, they'll come back and say, Whoa, did you see what came in? Oh my gosh, Pastor Tom, this is amazing. I like that too. I love when somebody else is getting blessed because God's blessing me. But it's because I purpose something in my heart. The Bible says, give and it will be given back to you. With the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I want you to look at verse 10 again. In Corinthians. You're there in Corinthians? Let's look at verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Well, can I tell you something? Multiplication only comes once the seed has left your hand. Only after you've sown the seed can multiplication come. He says, may the God... Or he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed that you have sown. He can't multiply what you haven't sown. And increase, increase the fruits of your righteousness. Multiplication only comes through sacrificial sowing. It only comes through, your multiplication only comes once the seed has left your hand. Once the seed is sown. God provides additionally, in addition, not in addition, but he, he provides by addition to people just because he loves you. There are people that are, you're just blessed because he loves you. And, and, and the picture that I have is you're kind of like the children of Israel in the wilderness. Your needs are met. You get manna every day. God's meeting your needs and, 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 and you're just living on bread. You're living on the bread line. And the problem is you have not, the problem, the problem is that you've not entered into the promise of faith. You've not entered into seed. You've only entered into need. See, the children of Israel moved to seed when they entered their promised land. The day they entered the promised land, God stopped the manna. They move from bread and addition to seed and multiplication. You see, the miracles took place in the wilderness. The wilderness is the time of miracles. People running around in Zimbabwe today that have been Christians looking for a miracle behind every corner are still in the wilderness. I'm not saying God doesn't provide miracles, and God did even in the promised land. But we're not supposed to seek after the miracles. We're supposed to grow up and begin to plant seed. We're supposed to grow up and live by faith. We're supposed to follow Father Abraham. Some of you are praying so hard for miracles. And God is saying, let's move from miracles to multiplication. There's a difference between living from hand to mouth and living in a place of abundant harvest. Where your hands are full so that you can bless other people. See, that's one of the reasons we're talking about acts, live it out. Why, even today, we're going to give you one of these cards. Because you know what? You can't 
live as a blessing if you're still looking for your own miracle, if you're still looking to be blessed, if you're still looking every day for you, me, me, it's all about me. One of the things I want to do is get you stop thinking about you. Start sowing seed. Start finding ways to be creative. Start finding ways to use this card. Start finding ways to bless people. Start finding ways to leave a little. And maybe you can't give a big, but you know what? You can give a little. You can bless somebody. Leave a card and do it in secret and see what God does. Just see what God does for you. We've got a couple of videos I want to show you, little testimonies. Can we just show those real quick? Are you ready? About some of the seeds that people are sowing. Then I'll wrap this up. Kwati, and I'm a seasoned uh, daughter of the, this church celebration center. Uh, I'd like to share with you a testimony. After we had the service, when Pastor Tom preached about extending an act of kindness, I took with me the sample of the cards he had extended to us. The very next Monday, in the support of uh, Pastor Taz and Pastor Rutendo, I extended the same cards to the group of um, armed forces at KG6, where we do one to two every other Monday. It's amazing the impact the, 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 the word of kindness or the card has on other people. The very same day, seven people gave their lives to the Lord and we still extended the Bibles and one leather-bounded Bible to the chaplain. A week later, we went back to KG6 and the light card, it's amazing how it is impacted. The chapel was half full, the numbers had increased. I would like to thank Pastor Tom and Pastor Bonnie for allowing us to go out and share God's word and God's love. My name is Wandai and my parents spoke to me about the acts of kindness cards to be a light to the world. As I left home, I went with a jersey to give to a person who stood out to me. I went into the village. I saw this man, he stood out to me, but I didn't really do anything about it. I went in and then on my way out, I saw him again. And then the Holy Spirit unctioned me to give him the jersey. As I went up to him, I asked him if he knew Christ. And then I gave him the jersey. Then I invited him to church and he said, if the people of God can do this, I wanna be a part of it. I thank my parents for telling me this and not despiting my age and just going on and also for the man respecting and accepting Christ. But you have to have an outward look. You have to be a seed sower. You have to be willing to go on the journey. So let me give you three points today. Number one, Sowing seed is intentional. Sowing seed is intentional. Thank you, Father. It's 11 o'clock. We worship you. We praise you. We're thankful for you in Jesus' name. Sowing seed is intentional. The first thing you have to do is you have to choose your seed. The Bible says every seed produces after its own kind. Every seed produces after its own kind. Folks, you must choose your seed. What seed you plant in order to get the harvest that you want. If you want oranges, you don't plant apple seeds. 
you want a good maize harvest, you don't plant tobacco. Are you following what I'm saying? Secondly, you have to measure. There's a measure on this seed. What's the measure of the seed? Luke 6.38, give it, it shall be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, wherewithal shall it be measured to you again. I'm going to tell you something. I, I find people that give really small measure. Don't, don't be small. Be big hearted. Be big hearted. Just trust God. Trust God. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have ever, eternal life, everlasting life. Isaiah, I mean, not, not Isaiah, uh, Isaac. Abram didn't withhold his only begotten son. Sometimes these big seeds produce something for your future. What was Abram's future? Hey, Abram, I want you to see something. See all the stars in the sky? See all the sand on the seashore? So shall your nation, the nations in your, in your life be, the nation of Israel and the nation of Ishmael. One is like the stars in the sky and the other is like the sand on the seashore. But in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And then finally, there has to be an activation of the seed. In the book of Malachi, chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And I, prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough for you to receive it. Somebody says, Pastor, that's Old Testament. I know it is. But you see, the fact of the matter is that tithing is not Old Testament. Tithing came before the law. Tithing came before Moses. Tithing came in Abraham. And these blessings are still yours. Yes, this was to the priests, but aren't you priests? God says, bring your tithe into the house of God. He says, see what I'll do for you. I, I know some of you, oh, I don't know about tithe. Listen, we, we learned in the order of Melchizedek what happens. We found out that the first thing that happened to Abram when he met Jesus, Melchizedek showed up. Melchizedek was a theophany, it was a, it was a Christophany, it was Christ himself. And what did Abram do when he saw, when he saw Jesus? He said, 10%, 10%, he says, I give you a tenth. He says, it's 10%. He didn't, it didn't even cross his mind. He said, I met God, 10%. God wants to open the heavens of blessing, pour out a blessing on you. He wants to rebuke the devourer for your sake. He wants to protect your field. If you're in the medical industry, he wants to protect you in the medical industry. If you're in the farming industry, he wants to protect you in the farming industry. Whatever your, where is your field? Where is your field of labor? Where is your field of work? He says, I want to protect you. I don't care what your field is, he'll protect you. And finally, he wants to protect your fruit, the fruit of your labor, the fruit of your hand. Somebody says, well, I don't believe that tithing carries over into the New Testament. I knew you'd say that, so let's look at Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 4. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings 
and blessed him. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First being interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. But made, unto the, made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest forever. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. See, it's the same Jesus. When Abraham saw Jesus, and it was before the law, his immediate response was 10%. Let me give you a few facts. I'll close. I want to tell you where the church is at. Mind if I tell you where the church is at? First of all, we have to understand that we understand, and I understand as a pastor, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of the earth is His. The fullness of the earth. And the world and all who dwell in it. So my trust is in the Lord. Haggai says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. But I also understand this, that God made us to be stewards over everything he's given us. Why should we give? First of all, I think it's a health check. Is it because your pastor wants you to? Is it because you're being manipulated into it? Is it because your parents tithe? Or is it the right thing to do? Is it because you feel accountable to others? Or is it so that you can twist God's arm to prosper you? Is it a transaction? Or is that out of a relationship? See, I believe that giving is an act of love. It's an act of obedience and it's an act of worship and sacrifice. We, be, we give because we're in a real and true relationship with God. It's a relationship where there's an overflowing, an overflowing exchange of love shown through our thoughts, through our actions, through our gifts. Another way of saying that is our time, our treasure, and our talent. If God gave us the ultimate gift, His Son. What can we withhold from Him? If we stop the overflow of our, our relationship begins to suffer, we turn off the tap of heaven. Giving an opportunity to connect with God. Here's some principles. I want to encourage you, always tithe because it's a biblical principle. If you're not sure, just ask God. Study. The Bible says bring this tithe into the storehouse. Well, the storehouse is where you're fed the Word of God. Above that, I'd like to talk to you about free will offerings over and above your tithe. This form of giving, this sacrificial giving, it was seen in the first church in the book of Acts where they gave everything. Now, I don't know how practical that is today. It says that none of them went without anything, but they gave everything. Everybody gave everything into a common pot. I don't think we're there yet, but I do think we need to give. If we are in a true relationship with God that we need to be intentional about our giving. Especially now. Folks, in Zimbabwe, we're faced with an incredible crisis. 
Because you have to be intentional about your giving now. You can't just come to church and, oh, darn it, I forgot to give. Pretty soon the habit of I forgot to give or I forgot to prepare an offering becomes the norm. Now we have to say, no, 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 I have to top up my Econet account. I've got to make my swipe. I, I, and, and somebody says, well, no, 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 you have to give it at the altar. No, the altar is in two places. Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost as well? There's an altar in your heart that's just as important as the altar in the church. Now, I believe that we bring our tithes and our offerings into the church, that God blesses that. But I also believe that God says something about when you do it out of your own heart. As you purpose in your heart, you give to God. Check your motives. Don't ever be giving out of grudgingly or out of compulsion. Always do it cheerfully. Because God loves a, a cheerful giver. Then remember this. It's never a gift because it's what I want to get out of it. It's always a gift in faith knowing that God has so much more in store for me than I could ever ask, dream, or imagine. That he'll give me abundance for every good work, in everything, at all times. Some of us limit God by putting him in a little box. If he doesn't do it this way, well, I don't want it. Now, that, that's not how it works, folks. And above all, we must be driven by love. We have to look for every opportunity to give and to bless. We don't do it because the sermon is good or because there's a need. We do it because we love the church. We love the body of Christ. The Bible says where a man's treasure is, there is his heart also. Give, and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men pour into your bosom. With the same measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. So we have methods of giving. Cash, we do that in the offering here into our baskets. We have point-of-sale machines. We have eco-cash. But you have to pre-fund your account. You have to be intentional about that. Zapper, RTGS, you've got to be intentional about those. If you're out of the country, then go on to the app and use your app. The church app has a place to give. If you're, if, 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 you're, if you're no longer a part of this church, but you still consider yourself a celebration member, your tithes and offerings can still be given through our app. We appreciate that. And then pledging. If you pledge something, honor your pledge. Don't invite a curse by defaulting. And if you can't make it, just come back and talk to them. Say, hey, listen, I pledged this, but you know what? I'm really struggling. I'm not going to meet my pledge. We'll release you if you can't make it, but you be responsible. Don't make us be responsible. Amen? So let me give you some facts. In this church, 15% of the congregants tithe consistently. 15% of it. There was a time we had 70% tithers. But I know what's happened. There have been so many people that have cycled through the church. Many of you have not really even been taught about giving. You don't know the blessing and the benefit of giving and tithing. So I want to help you with that. 
early in the new year, I'm going to bring a whole series on tithing and giving and help you. I want to help you get into the flow of God's blessing. But 15% are tithers. Our total offering and giving has declined by 17% compared to last year. I know that's partly due to the money crunch. I also know because of a lot of immigration. The tithes, our tithes are holding steady. I mean, those of you who are tithing, we're about the same as last year. We're down 5% on the prior year. And I want to thank all of you who are faithful in your tithes. That helps the church to budget so we know what we're doing. But the offering has gone down by 61% on our prior year. And that's why I know that it requires intentionality. And it requires you to become a seed sower rather than just a spontaneous giver. Some people spontaneously give. Oh, that was a good message. I feel blessed. Whoops. <laughs> almost fell off. <laughs> that wouldn't have been a blessing. I feel blessed. So they just give by their blessing instead of by their intentionality. I'm asking you to come into the promised land with me and let's begin to be very intentional about how we sow our seed. And closing out this year and leading into next year and throughout all of next year, as we're in this cash crisis, let's make our seed work for us. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.